Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of my podcast. Uh, we have a special guest today all the way from Sri Lanka. I have Mirshad Bakman of Paranoid Earthling. Hi Mirshad. Hi. Hi, hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I've been good too. Very preoccupied with stuff. Mm-hmm. So this whole, the whole COVID-19 story gave a good time to sit back and like, you know, replan. All the future endeavors. So it's been okay. It's been a, I don't know, it's been a quiet, slow time. Business-wise, right. it's been like really slow and bad actually. But but it's fine. It's a good time to think. Good time to plan. Good time to read. <laughs> Is this uh, COVID situation uh, giving you any inspiration for new songs and stuff? It's actually given me time to experiment with new devices. Right. Yeah, I've been playing a lot with synthesizers and stuff now, you know, <laughs> on the software thing. And uh, yeah, like been been writing some new music as well. Yeah, like uh, inspiring time. Right. <laughs> because chaos brings inspiration, right? <laughs> chaos is now going against the order. The middle line is gone, but it should come to, towards the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mirsad, yeah, I... Good. I think I first saw you probably maybe somewhere in 2002 or 2003. You were like one of our first fans. Yes. Remember, yes, I was like when we started out, we used to, <laughs> yeah, when we used to play like in the, like, I, I remember there was a, a concert, right? We played with a lot of pop artists at the time. It was a Sunday, one of these radio stations did that and you were the only guy in front, like you had come with your cousin, I think. <laughs> so that was my brother actually. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And we were a bit too drunk and we played a bit too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Yeah, and I remember actually visiting you in Candy for the Candy show, going to your place. Uh, We used to live in the same place or you're in different place now? Now, I mean, uh, I moved to Colombo. That was in 2005. Mm. And I've been here ever since. So now I live close to a place called Malabe. Right. Was no near Batramulla, like in the suburbs. Right. right. Then uh, I go home to my, uh, my my house in Kandy, and I, I sometimes go up and down. So. But the last few months I was stuck here. I was pretty much right. here like, yeah. during the quarantine, and uh, yeah. So Mirshad, I remember meeting your mom. So how's your mom? She's good. <laughs> she's uh, she's also she's an artist, right? Like so, right. she's been painting and like doing all sorts of collages and all that stuff. So right. This meeting would have been at our place in Candy. You could have seen the whole setup there. <laughs> it's a house full of paintings and books, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember your mom was like even going to your show, right? Uh, to see you yeah. perform, and she's very supportive of your your music. Yeah, she she hardly has missed any shows. Like there have been like a, a couple, but other than that, she goes for a lot of the concerts and. Actually, more than me, she's more in touch with the younger uh, bands and like she sometimes I would miss gigs because, you know, like sometimes I'm stuck with uh, stuff and like she doesn't miss every gig here. She goes for <laughs> almost every concert that happens here. <laughs> so, Mirsha, tell me a little bit about your growing up childhood and uh, how the music came to you. To you. Uh... Well, uh, how did it go? When I started... Actually, before I got heavy into like uh, rock music, uh, I was uh, like uh, heavy into the whole hip hop uh, scene. I, I mean, like before hip hop got all commercial and stuff. This was like 
Dre, Tupac, NWA, mm. you know, the early 90s rap music scene. And then if, uh, at the same time, like my mom used to listen, like she used to play music, like she, like, like she used to play stuff like uh, even Nirvana's, like what was that song, All Apologies. And like uh, she used to listen to stuff, like I had mm. my dad's like tape collection and all that, all over there. And then from a neighbor, I, like uh, it was pretty interesting scene. The, there was a neighbor near, near our house who used to have like a lot of rock posters, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. And uh, there was this one album. I, 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 because at the time we used to record from tape to tape, right? Mm. So there used to be a record bar in uh, this. You remember the place is called Record Buzz, where you have all tapes on a wall and you go and take, I want this recorded from that, I want that recorded. Yeah, from yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> so this neighbor near our house uh, had uh, this album called Kill 'em All. Yeah, <laughs> Kill 'em All at the time. Yeah. And I had listened to, uh, I was listening to like stuff like uh, from uh, Unforgiven 2. There was a reload album, Metallica. Right. And uh, there was this short span of, uh, there was a time, there was a TV station called TNL TV. Yes. If you remember, they started playing music television. Like, uh, like they had like a three or four hour segment a day where they'll play MTV, music yeah. television. And for some reason, the music television they were showing was, uh, was showing stuff like Marilyn Manson. There was this top 20 hits thing on Saturday. Right. So that was the first time, like I kind of saw, like all these, like you know, something totally different from what's what's going on, like you know. And when we were kids, like basically, even like uh, the first mem, uh, the guy who started the band with me, Shankar, our drummer, our ex drummer mm. now. So in our class, the two were like that was the time I met him as well. So, anyways, cut back to the whole story. <laughs> There, there was a lot of like uh, rock music as well going in this. There was Prodigy, there mm. was the Chemical Brothers, and all these videos flashing. I was like in, I was in the sixth grade or the seventh grade. At the same time, this neighbor near house had this CD, and he had this player, and I kept bugging him. I told like, you know, I, I mean, can you, can I just record this? I want to record this Metallica uh, CD onto tape. And he kept saying, no, he said, you won't, you wouldn't like this kind of stuff. And like, you know, so I pestered him so much that he agreed. And like then, and at the time you hit record, right. And like, you mm -hmm. had to listen to the whole CD while you record it. And suddenly, you know, hit the lights. The first thing is fast thing. Like it was like pretty new for me at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake here? Like I was listening <laughs> to hip hop and stuff, right. So I just let it record anyways. And then I took that home. And what happened to me was bit by bit, I'm now listening to this more than the hip hop. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm on the bed, like banging my head and stuff. Then started discovering, reading more. Like uh, then start, we, there was this place called the Seven Record Bar. As I told you, a record bar in town. And um, they pretty much had a lot of music in their tape collection. Right. And uh, there was actually, uh, and one of us, this lady, she had a big knowledge on music actually at the time. So, you know, if you like uh, Kilomar, there's this thing called Justice for All, you know, this album, <laughs> that album. So, collected, collected, collected. And like, you know, suddenly all the hip hop tapes became heavy metal tapes. And wow. that's the time I met Shankar, our first drummer. And uh, he only totally got me into like Prodigy and like he was like heavy into Electronica at the time. Right. The whole uh, rave scene in uh, London. Yeah. So we mix up and like, you know, I share him this, he shares me that. And then suddenly we started listening to music together and... 
then uh, his elder brother who was Danushka, the our ex guitarist, and yeah. uh, our current bassist who has been doing our band with me, Kalasela. They were two batches senior to us, mm. and uh, the two of them actually wanted to start an electronica project called Paranoid Earthling. That was okay. Asel only gave the name. So bit by bit, we all got together, and then you know, let's start this band. And you know, right, fine, we will put the name for this band, and then we started it. And yeah. <laughs> we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> so I know you you probably tell this story uh, all the time that the name of the band is how the name came to, for the band. Ah, so uh, at the time our bassist gave the name. Mm. So Paranoid came from the Radiohead song Paranoid Android. Right. And Earthling was um, the album by David Bowie. He had a like heavy dance electronic album in the nineties called Earthling. Right. Our bassist has his jokes. He connects stuff and like and then he had this Paranoid Earthling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So once you guys, uh, when you guys joined, like when you formed the band, did you guys able to, I mean, were you able to play the instruments or what? So you guys learn or what, what happened? Uh, so the start, the start, the start, the start, the start was, uh, we didn't have any instruments in the start. Right. So during my O-level time, I think the year before the O-level, the first exam we do in school, like uh, I somehow worked it out from an aunt or someone got the cash and I bought this box guitar like the what's called what Gibson those Indian uh, the Indian Gibson is like called Gibson not Gibson okay. <laughs> so we got this guitar and uh, we made our own drum kit like out of uh, I figured out the system like you know with not boxes you get plywood make a frame and like you know take x-ray sheets and stretch the thing like cowhide yeah. for the kick drum and so we had this home made kit and the, uh, the acoustic guitar. So now uh, only two members have instruments. So right. Shankar and me, like Shankar and I at our house, we used to set that up and I used to just jam on the guitar. I didn't know what the fuck I was playing, but you know, right. even tuning and stuff, we didn't know, but we just played and you know, the whole passion to play and sing and like, you know, recorded like on a tape recorder songs and shit. And uh, that was one year. The first year I started touching the guitar, you know. So then I... You read guitar tabs and you know that back in the day net wasn't that big so we used to, there's to be these um, newspaper vendors on the street who used to sell mm. old magazines and uh, um, like old, old, old magazines and all, all that stuff and then there were like guitar world magazines inside. So those are some of the earlier lessons I used to take that and there was one lesson by Dimebag Darrell on how to drop D. Mm. So at the time, I thought drop D means switch all the strings the other way and put it the <laughs> other way and like try that. And uh, a year later, I got a gift of a, um, my first electric, this right. uh, Yamaha guitar and a crate amp. And the guitar is still here. I still use it. And so then uh, we had a guitar amp, my guitar. And then uh, we needed a bass, so we borrowed a home. That was also a homemade bass, bass by some uh, band, or some guys who were doing some, uh, like a local singer band in uh, near house. Right. We borrowed that, used a hi-fi amplifier for that, and uh, the uh, the other guitar was the acoustic guitar. So one guy with the acoustic, I'm with the electric. Then we practice the song the other way. He gets the electric, I use the acoustic, and <laughs> that's how we practice for gigs. <laughs> So yeah, then we, uh, the initial show was uh, at a talent show in Candy. Right. A long time ago. I had the tape, it was missing. 
and then we made it to Colombo. We uh, applied for TNL on stage, and we that was the first time we appeared here in the city. So are, yeah. yeah, so you guys were always uh, looking forward to do do originals. So you you were doing covers first or what? Originals was the plan. Was mm. the main thing. So at the time we had this one song called "Pull Me Under." Right. And uh, we were basically like a very uh, full, uh, we were totally into grunge at the time. So it was uh, Nirvana, uh, Nirvana and our own music. <laughs> <laughs> so we played almost a lot of Nirvana songs, man. Because Nirvana songs were fun. They were easy to play, you know. Right. It really got shit going, you know. You moved us and like, you know, <laughs> that was the scene. So and... It so it's like a Nirvana tribute band, right? <laughs> but like a Nirvana tribute, even our first song sounds like a Nirvana song. So. <laughs> Anyways, now this was a start process, right? We were the main thing was like, you know, we had to write music and stuff. And uh, then I met Suresh and uh, Tenny of Stigmata, right? And suddenly we met other guys who were just like us with the same drive, the same, you know, same mode. And we got really friendly, man. We, when I came to Colombo, I used to stay at his place, he comes to Candy, mm. says, our place. And we, we, we were trying to basically make this network at the time. Right. So this is after on stage. We got kicked off the preliminaries because it was the first performance. <laughs> <laughs> so Stiggs, us, there was another band called Stonebroke, yeah. Soul Skinner. And there, there was a set of guys. We used to have meetings at Suresh's place in Mount Lavinia. Like uh, we need to, you know, all of us need to work together. We'll establish this network where we get sponsors, find pubs and clubs and perform. Right. But back in the day, no one ever took our shit seriously, you know. Then you must have heard this um, gentleman called Mr. Ajit Pereira. He passed yeah. away actually. Yeah, yeah, sadly. Yeah. He came into the picture, right? He had already done this in the 70s, but then uh, he had discovered us and he wanted to do Rock Company again. And I have to tell you, man, it was, it's thanks to him, thanks to that man, that we have this whole scene has become like this whole scene has become what it was. When you remember, right, every month there was gigs. Yeah. So he established Rock Company, which was an original. It was a platform where you play mainly your originals. You, you come there, you have to play your original music. You could play your covers if you don't have enough tracks. But the main focus was that. Mm. Whereas other concerts we got, like say even that Sun FM concert, like I'm saying that radio station, never mind, but back in the day, right? You remember we performed and you were the only guy in front? The whole... The organizers were strict on this. Okay, we know you all have originals, but you know, you all have to play some alternate music. You, are, you will play Vertical Horizon. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing we used to get to our organizers, right? Right. You play a Vertical Horizon song, play this, play that, and we agree, yeah, yeah, we are going to play all that. But once you get on stage, we play our fucking set, man. <laughs> we played Mega Death also that day. <laughs> so, Mr. Ajit, like I call him Mr. Ajit, Ajit Pereira, he was the guy who established this thing, okay? got in sponsors and like uh, they had an advertising agency so it pushed all our bands like you know press article after press article there's a rock band here we press 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 and that right. was that initial wave of rock music that original music that came out at the time the time we start we we met so that pushed that really took this thing which no one took serious you know it was like you know it was a very joke or something like even when i was in school it was just shankar me into rock music and like even our batch, all the other guys, they were, you know, all the kids. And for them, it was like, a, it was a bit of a funny thing. Ah, oh, these guys, you know, like, oh, right. they rock, 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 <laughs> you know. Right. But now look how it has changed, you know. So, Ajit Pereira, 
took a serious step in this. Okay, you need to do this. You just have you organize a gig. We need to push your stuff out. And then the gig started, right? Every month we play a gig. And, you know, that was one of the best times in my life, actually. And uh, we released this compilation of all the bands who were playing in there. There were 10 songs, right? The first compilation. That's when our first track came out. Yes. Then this compilation came with the tracks coming out. Suddenly this got even bigger. And then the second compilation, then up to third, and then it stopped because uh, there were, um, at the time our main sponsor was like we had we had uh, alcohol and tobacco, which kept the money going right for every every week. Like there were deals like like every year they would cut a deal for every month a budget, so we had the money going to run Rock Company. And then after there were government restrictions after like certain decisions were made, and they cut off alcohol. First it was tobacco that was fine, but next they came for the beer man. That was fine. Fucking stupid. <laughs> so beer, beer was the main sponsor. That went off, and then the monthly show became every three months. And then, but what I say is, basically, it did what it had to do. It planted this seed on this tree, and now, thanks to that, all these other movements have started. We have the underground metal scene. We have like all the bands doing their stuff, and now mm. it's it's in a better place. And we have another entire big generation down there, you know new generation of musicians and artists and we have a i'm really happy we have a good original music scene in this country man not just rock you know all right. over yes independent music so so mirshad your earlier songs like pull me under 69 yeah. and then i also mm. like the rock and roll is by anarchy <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so what what were the inspirations for this song uh writing uh, 69, you know, 69 is about 69. <laughs> <laughs> the perverted song. Pull Me Under was like, a, I don't want to talk about that. Anyways, uh, Rock and Roll is My Anarchy was basically, you know, at the when I was young, you know, if you read the lyrics and stuff, it was like how it was in Candy right. for, you know, guys right. like us. It was, a, it was a very conservative town, right? A bit more different than Colombo, but you know, amazing people and stuff. But there, there was a lot of like, you know, kids didn't have much freedom at the time. Right. Like say examples, girls couldn't like mingle with guys. It, it was like a very, um, you know, so like the, that was the scene there. Now it, I, I, think, I guess now it would have changed because, you know, now the kids yeah. are more advanced than what we were. <laughs> so and, um, basically, yeah. Yeah. I remember you, you guys had a, you had the pull me on the video, we video, you put it 69. out. 69. Yeah. 69. There, and then yeah. uh, you had the, uh, one of these uh, other video bringing down the sun, right? Which they, oh, that was they put out in like in Yaa TV and all that, right? Mm. Can you tell yeah. me about that that uh, that song? Bringing down the sun. Actually, uh, the video uh, the Yaa TV did their version of the video, but right. the version I wanted to do was a bit more extreme. So they, you know, at the time it was basically it's it's against war, right? So my idea was like you know you have a suicide bomber from the LTT comes to Colombo, mm. realize like my whole plan was the whole eye view of a bomber coming from the north, the main city. And then he realizes that this is all stupid and he just doesn't explode the bomb. You know, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't complete the mission. That was the idea. Mm. So it was basically based on that. Because you, we, uh, we grew through that shit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think parallelly at the same time, around same time, remember that Iraj put out a video, J-Town story, which is like kind of ah, story, right? It's also Yaa TV, right? It's like... Uh, ah, 
actually rtv wanted to do this they were trying to do this one video and iraj was one and then sama i don't know the the not the owner the main head at the time she really took up with uh, our song because she's also <laughs> she was also into jimmy hendrix and stuff so i think right so um uh, like uh, going to your sound uh, the earlier paranoid thing sound so mm-hmm. uh who were the influencers for the sound like you were as a frontman i i mean sound wise yeah so you were like yeah. following kurt cobain lane stanley or like what were the in, like influencers oh, really for me for performance and all i don't marilyn manson was like my all time superstar i was right. totally crazy but i still still am you know so marilyn manson billy cogan then sound wise it was very uh, it was uh, grunge basically a lot of right. fuzz even now in our songs in certain songs i use a lot of fuzz like big muff i stack the pedals as well so it was uh, the sound was very punk rock grunge you know stoner rock you know hard distortion you know heavy <laughs> stuff going and um, at the time pearl jam influenced us a lot mm. and uh, and i had to say even like stuff like prodigy as well because our drummer was heavy into like all those the electronica scene and the beats like that and stuff so that was the initial influences but now you know music we listen to broader stuff no so now the new stuff is uh, i guess different yeah mm. so there's an album coming soon as well i know the whole thing everyone's been like you know i'm <laughs> sick of talking about it but it's all done yeah so just working on the release so you'll it'll it's all complete <laughs> working on you know, getting the damn thing out now yeah you guys remember putting this out oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> the there was another artwork with the kid older i think there was another picture <laughs> with another older kid <laughs> yeah. but there was a photoshop job on this picture of this kid Right. Tenny did the picture. The picture was uh, edited by Tenny. I did the layout. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah. I I I saw you posted like somebody was trying to buy, get one of these, right? The first Yeah, three. I had two copies remaining. And um then I just posted it and like there are two guys who wanted it and like one one guy collected, one fan collected and I kept it for another fan of us who wanted it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i actually remember that yeah. yeah i remember the rock company days because me and my brother and some some friends we always yeah. support we we always go from nigambo all the way you know to kalambo and uh, mm. it, that was the first time actually for the metal or rock fans i think that was the only only thing that you can do right there's no other place actually plays uh, proper rock music that right? played rock music no live <laughs> no other huh? place right then <laughs> yeah it was pretty much live rock music was rock the rock company gigs right. like the um, but before at the time there was independent square there they were doing their scene there was another band called crep cycle yes but it was like in a small scale it was happening but originally the we had rock saturday right mm. in the start rock saturday was a dj it was a is it before rock company and our band started it was like in like in the 90s late 90s there was a, a dj discotheque kind of like dj's playing only rock music and like the hard stuff which was never played anywhere else that was called rock saturday mm. and uh, even our band we there we attended two 
we were kids then, right? I remember scraping off the money and like saving up from school and the like four of us, the members, the original members of Paranoid Earthling. Mm. And uh, actually on a train ride to one of these rock Saturdays is when we decided that let's start a rock band. Yeah. I had a postcard of one of those old rock Saturdays with Marilyn Manson and some kids. So I, I can't find it. I could have shown it now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I share it some one day on my, on my network. So it was these DJs that like, uh, I remember, you remember, right? In the 90s, you go to some party or some DJ or something. What do they play? You know, the Wenga bus is coming. <laughs> Everybody was the shit. And, yeah. there was this, and then suddenly they'll get to a small rock segment, which would be It's My Life by Bon Jovi. Summer of, uh, of 69, they gave you a teen spirit, a bit of teen spirit, <laughs> then like smack my, not smack my bitch up, yeah? Yeah, Remember yeah, that? yeah. Firestarter or smack my, some, anyways, a part of each, just little medley and talk, it gets back to the <laughs> other thing, you know? And like, when we were kids, like, Shankar, the first drummer and I, we used to go, like in Candy, there used to be this, uh, they used to call it discs, ah, disc, are you going to the disc, 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 so, we used to dress and we wanted to go and like listen to some loud rock music and headbang, but like nothing, wait, wait. And only this short 15 minutes was our time to go to the dance floor and like do all, like 100% of what and then get off. <laughs> so Rock Saturdays at the time, the DJ Rock Saturday, that was like, whoo, exhilarating, man. Imagine you go, you go for this, uh, you know, wherever you go, even the kids around you, they don't know about Nine Inch Nails. You know, like uh, all like Marilyn Manson and you know all bands like this. We come to Colombo and there's this thing of rock setters that's playing perfect drug, mm. you know, playing what beautiful people and like you know whole set of that and like we used to like head bang and like be sweating and like <laughs> t-shirts off. These extreme four kids from Candy used to come and like you know take over the dance. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, good times. But now yeah. things are bit amazing now, man. Fuck, it's a good time now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mirshad, you were able to play uh, open for, uh, I think it, it was 2009, you were able to open for As I Lay Dying, right? In Colombo? Ah, yeah, the As I Lay Dying gig. I remember that. <laughs> that was a good gig. We played without a sound check because the sounds got so delayed. Right. And I remember you go on the stage and the organizer tell me, oh, you just need to plug and you need to play. I told that's not how it works. We need to do some sort of a balance. Yeah, You were there for the gig. <laughs> no, no, I, I was already out of the country. But ah, I met yeah. Asli Lay Dying. I, I actually met them ah. a couple of times here when they played ah. here. And I asked about Colombo and then <laughs> they didn't have like, they didn't have very positive... Uh, <laughs> My God, that was, yeah, that, that was a mess. That, that gig. I think the organizer wanted to... He overestimated the whole thing and in the end it became a bit of a scene the equipment was held at the customs and there was a delay but anyways they played a good set man right so good one nerve cell played there as well yeah so uh, what we did was we just plugged in and played like i mean even at rock company days remember we used to come all the way from candy no sound check you know we were not <laughs> professional at all at the time <laughs> we just come in plug our shit up turn it louder and just play and it was for some reason the damn thing worked Right, <laughs> but we don't do that now. We take checks and we get prepared and you know rehearse and yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, once you tour, you get used to this, I think. And right. uh, the Azalea and gig was after tour we did. That was the first tour we did in India. Right. Or we it was the Sark. Anyways, that was that year we did uh, our first ever tour outside the country. Right. So we had played about five, six shows at the time, and like when you tour, you get season, right? The band rebuilds this. 
chemistry and it's like you can go anywhere and like you know basically plug in and you're sounding you know better right right so yeah <laughs> so where did you play in india how many which shows did you play in india the, the first tour we played hard rock cafe delhi mm. then there was khaira theater bangalore i don't know if that venue is still there and then another venue called turquoise cottage it's an old pub in delhi i love that place man it's like a stable mm. it's all like you know, posters of uh, stars and like <laughs> and then again we played at the sark band festival then we played another festival in uh, gurgaon this uh, place called gurgaon south of delhi mm. amazing I, i love that city and then afghanistan we played in kabul for another music festival right india is fun though so how was the that. how was the fans in india were they receptive to a band from sri lanka yeah 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 the music worked it was and like every time you meet a new set of people the new new people all the time and uh, wow i loved it want to play there again so once i think the even the quarantine we are waiting for all this thing to finish that's why we mm. can held the release of the album so everything will come out when we have the chance to get out there with it you know right so maybe come I to think, philippines as well so. yeah 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 sure, for sure You're, yeah yeah there's a plan our, our band will be going everywhere man not just india so yeah. there's a whole thing to work so <laughs> yeah actually when i heard that you guys went to afghanistan and play in kabul yeah. that's the first time i realized actually there's a metal scene in afghanistan right because when you hear afghanistan you feel like it's a war 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 tone like it's a exactly that's cnn's version you know that's what right. the news tells you they never tell you the real thing of what's really going on in a country right. <laughs> you need to actually go there to find out so um, yeah man the, there's a band called district unknown right there's another band called kabul dreams there was a female hip hop artist these are all like and um, the district unknown guys most of them have migrated to the states now but at the time uh, now actually after going to afghanistan i realized you know how you know how well we are treated here right because there are bands get arrested they get arrested for playing the music because it's demonic you know when the mm. it's really it's a different scene there but there there's amazing cool set of artists and people who are really thinking out of the box there who can't really put their art out and this festival um, this was called sound central it was done uh, by it's uh, organized by a guy called travis beard was also doing this band called White City another afghan based band where it was three expats you check the music mm. out so he and his brother they they organized this festival and they were t- teaching uh, like bringing equipment in there setting up a jam room like similar to rock company the same concept he was doing that in afghanistan right and he and like his brother they were pushing music like towards the kids and like then these bands developed and like you know there is basically a, a rock company in kabul that's what happened there now i don't know what it's like but i think the taliban is back and there's a lot of conflict because uh, the time we went there it was a more peaceful time like you know it was like a bit under control the city but still there was risk you know there was a bomb blast that happened like two three days before we reached there and yeah, our parents and all were like very all worried that we went there but fuck it man it was fun loved it <laughs> wasn't your parents worried that when you said you're going to afghanistan my mom was actually i don't have my dad but yeah my uh, yeah she was like you know what and like you know yeah people were but uh, we did it because actually our manager hooked it up at the time ruanti you would have met her she's to manage a band 
Right. She coordinated the whole thing and uh, she only asked, hey, you guys want to play in Afghanistan? Shall we go play there? And, like, <laughs> and we couldn't go through Dubai. We had to go through India. So right. on the way, we went to India. We played, uh, we played a gig in India actually on the way. And right. she was played there. <laughs> but good. <laughs> Everything's available in Afghanistan. Huh? Alcohol, anything is there. It's just expensive. Right. But the hashish is free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's yeah. It, it really, uh, you have to really visit these places to really see what's actually yeah, going on, right? Because otherwise, you exactly. Just, yeah, I mean, places like Afghanistan, Iraq, maybe, mm. right? Like, so it's a different. When uh, Iran is really beautiful, Iran is supposed to be a really beautiful country. It's just, right. I don't know, me, it's hard to trust mainstream media, man. So yeah. we should actually look into other sources. I think now. The new generation is looking through other sources, not just the bloody television and like, you know, right. it goes on in mainstream media. So they just put out what's, what's news at the time or what's, <laughs> how they can use it towards their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember meeting your old, you know, I mean, you, I was lucky that I was, I got into you guys when you had the original lineup, like Danushka, ah, Samka, yeah. Asela. <laughs> I remember Asela was like very quiet, right? <laughs> I was a quiet guy. He's the wisest guy in the band, you know. Like right. sometimes even when on tour, we make this. Did you know? No, I think we should, you know, hold that a bit. Like he, he's the, he's like the, you know, the calm force holding the extreme forces. Yeah, <laughs> wanting to do all this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Mirshad, yeah. what's the new lineup? Who's the new lineup? Your latest. Uh, Asil and me are still from the old. Where are you guys? Then uh, we have Harshan Galage. Okay. The drummer of Triloka. All right. And uh, yeah, super drummer man. He and uh, Kasun Navaratna, the guitarist and composer in Genocide Shrines, is also a right. producer. He was actually our sound engineer, our new guitarist, and now he plays guitar with us. So this is the unit now. Right. It's good. Lovely. We yeah. have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw a couple of your videos, your like the newer performances of your videos. Yeah. And then uh, like, I, I feel that you kind of transition from your like uh, Kurt Cobain crunch uh, yeah. <laughs> to like maybe like Trent yeah. Reznor, Marilyn Manson kind of uh, performance. Uh, kind of the, the, the tape character, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when I get on stage, it's basically like the talking character now is one, but when I get on stage, it's like another character takes over you. you right. It has been there anyways, and now I think uh, there is like a different person I guess up there so I keep all that madness on the stage without bringing it down after stage <laughs> there are times when suddenly that character stays off stage and there's too much <laughs> I need to I think performers have that right you know it's right. like an act you perform so yeah that's the new trip and uh, yeah now pretty much a lot of analog pedals I'm playing a lot, a lot with soundscapes and stuff so uh... So, uh, Mirshad, when did you discover this, uh, like, Marilyn Manson? I mean, re you really got into, like, Marilyn Manson and 90s? Since I was a kid. Since I was small. Actually, I loved uh, Manson was, like, my, I don't know, my dream. Like, you know, it was, like, my inspiration. Uh, since I was very young, actually. Mm. It was like, what? Metallica and Marilyn Manson, my two M's. I <laughs> it was at the time. So, uh, Resna, I discovered a bit later. Mm. Uh, it was a friend of mine uh, who brought this um, even at the time before like digital like we, we didn't have mp3s and stuff it was basically I think mp3s were there 
in the West, but it hadn't already come here. Mm. It was actually Asela, basically, he was the first guy who got MP3. And he was like, you know, I had the CD with so much music, you know, you all just yeah. have that much. <laughs> so at the time, uh, a friend of mine brought this CD of Trent Reznor. It was a picture of Trent Reznor, all pirated CDs, right? And uh, yeah. this thing, Nine Inch Nails, it's a, it's a video, it's a live video CD. We put it and like, we watch it and I was like, what the fuck is this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they started looking for Nine Inch Nails and then suddenly here goes the Nine Inch Nails trip. And I still love Nine Inch Nails, you yeah. <laughs> know? Reznor is one of my favorite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then the Mars Walter bands like the at the drive-in, you remember that band? Yes. I was not yeah. much into it, but my whole band at the time went to at the driving and I got into that later and then now we listen to Mars Walter. And you know, that's like a total different trip. But now if you see there's so much good music out there, man. I mean, I'd meet a kid somewhere and then he'll start playing or someone would come to my place and they'll start playing their music and like, wow, who is this? What the fuck is this? And you know, write the name down and I'm discovering new stuff. Mm. So sometimes when people come home, I just tell you, know, you will play your music. Just play, play what you all want. And like, you know, we have sessions at our house so people play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you remember that, like, I think it was last year, right? That uh, Chris Cornell passed away. Yeah, the suicide, right? Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of Chris Cornell Soundgarden? I love Chris Cornell stuff. Yeah, like uh, I do love the Soundgarden stuff. Yeah, that's also part. But yeah, but it was a sad thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and Chester then Bennington also died. Yeah, I he think also, he it was a suicide. Yeah. And there was a story that like. Bennington and Cornell, they were all going to like throw this festival in uh, like, you know, trying to bring uh, a light of the whole Jeff Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> drama that was happening. Right. There's a conspiracy like that. They said like, how did they suddenly die? They were trying to like, uh, they were like, like a, they were trying to establish a movement like to expose this guy. That was a story yeah, yeah. like that. I don't know how true it is, but that's like a small conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. they were saying uh, <laughs> even the Linkin Park logo is like, trying to expose like a pedophilia and all that, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stories oh. about it. Yeah. It's really sad why this, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's this uh, feeling that you get, no? The suicide feeling, so. <laughs> Can happen to anyone, man. Right. One incident could throw you that way. Sometimes you would even feel that way, you know, if you're like depressed and, you know, things aren't working out, you know, like sometimes I've even gone through like, points you know when I like I've dropped a lot of stuff just to do music and when music gets hard at some point like you know not now but in the past you know mm. there, there are points you think you know what the fuck is happening you know what, what the hell am I doing here you know so you feel that but then all you need to do is like you just keep focus on the positive mm. because uh, and what they say is you just basically if anyone out there has that depression stuff you should analyze the problem and look from outside why you're feeling like this uh, there's an interesting book called 12 Rules for Life, Antidote to Chaos by this psych uh, psychiatrist uh, called Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's a good one. I'm halfway through that book. But anyways, he, <laughs> he, <laughs> it's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, I have that also, the book. <laughs> Depression, anxiety. Welcome to the 30s and the 40s, you know. <laughs> Some get it early, but you know, you know, like, you know stress and you know, life. But yeah. life is good, man. So much, yes. and cool. You're enjoying life. It's good. You have. Uh, how's your kid, wife, like uh, your family? 
Yeah, they're good. My son is now 10 years old, turning 11. Yeah, yeah, I'm updated like oh, you're taking for the gigs and yeah. <laughs> but a lot of our friends. Yeah, he's more yeah. into wrestling actually. He's more into wrestling. Uh-huh. But, uh, but he knows like Motorhead, Slayer. He likes those things uh-huh. because, uh, you know, connected <laughs> to wrestling. <laughs> cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> a lot of our friends have kids and all now. So next right. generation is gone. Yeah. So Mirshad, one of the... For me, like I haven't, I, I, I mean, I was listening to your music and then uh, recently only I saw your, like the newer, some of the new video that you put out, especially uh, this Deaf, Blind and Dumb. Deaf, Blind Dumb. Yeah. And I watched that, you know, which, remem- which video I remember when I watched your video, The Perfect Drug. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was shot in two days, actually. Um... Actually, the guy who shot it was this guy called Travis Beard, who organized the Afghanistan festival. He became right. really good friends with me. So he came on a holiday and like I told you, you stay, at, uh, to stay, stay at our place. He crashed here and he said, okay, while I'm here, let's shoot a video. He said, let's do a video for your songs. Like I was like, uh, not in like, you know, I was like, there was a transition in the band. I think members moved and we were trying to reconfigure stuff. And uh, he's a spontaneous guy. Yeah, you know, this guy called Travis Beard, a good friend of mine. Like, he's a like even there as we landed in Afghanistan, he said, "Okay, let's do a gig now. Okay, let's quickly organize this now. Let's send a message out, pop, 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 get the sounds, do this. You know, he's good at that stuff. Let's wow. go find this. Let's get a TV." So one day we planned the video. Okay, we, it was really fast, and there were two girls, two friends of mine, like the fans, just come for gigs. They told, "Okay, we'll model for it." We got them also on board, and then we all sat and like we told everybody, okay, jam out the idea, you know, this, this, that, and uh, then we made this little story board, this line of them coming in with the TV and all that stuff, and then that was the first preparation. We had a full barbecue that day. Got wasted as fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Hung over the next day. We went looking for a television, like a broken television set. Right. And, you know, my partner, my my girlfriend, uh, it was her mom's television set. And uh, she told, oh, I have a TV, you can have it, it's for you. She didn't know that we took it to trash it. It was a working TV, man. Oh, it took so long to break. There were so many takes. They had to do the dashing part. We had took it so many times. The damn thing didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> That's how hard the old gear was. Huh? Now, right. one screen, you, <laughs> you do something, it's gone. So, yeah, we shot the band shot was done one day prior. Then the shot with the girls and the whole storyboard and like another friend of mine uh, also came from Candy, the guy with the, uh, near the martial arms. Right. So he, he plays the dictator. <laughs> so we used everything we had in the house. This idea, let's quickly shoot it full, you know. <laughs> and yeah, we did wow. it. We did it here actually where, where I live. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look like that you, you did it in like huh? that rush like because it looks like yeah, it a was very a... professional video. Really? Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, quick production, like fast. Then he took it back to Aussie and uh, he edited it. We did some change and then yeah, we made the video. Right. Now we had to work on more videos. We haven't put a video yet. Yeah, so it's <laughs> a lot of work. Seven yeah. songs will be released soon. So there'll be videos for that. That's nice. Now. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, I also discovered your new songs uh, like first family planning and <laughs> oh, yeah. that's right. like super fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I, I'm curious about this 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 song, fuck the police. 
fuck the police. <laughs> I know it's like the same tag as NWA, but yeah. it's a totally different song. But it's a, a lot of people seem to like that song actually. So it's basically about not just fuck the police, not mean like, you know, fuck the police, like, you know, fuck the police, you know, they don't mean shit. We're actually talking about like the whole system behind the police. Right. And they're controlled by, you know, like the whole thing, say, how do I talk about this? I mean, like, you know, I've had friends who got busted with, you know, bead and all that stuff. And, you know, when people go in, when someone's busted with stuff, there's a whole network inside. You know, mm. that makes money out of it, profits out of it. And it's all connected, man. I mean, there was a bloody scandal here recently in Sri Lanka, if you see the news. So people in the the whole, um, I mean, the Sri Lankan DEA, the, the narcotics unit, <laughs> they've been like, you know, there's been a scandal. Anyways, the whole thing is rigged, you know. Mm. When it comes to stuff like drugs, but what I would say is, man, they should treat, treat it like a medical problem, not a criminal problem. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. the only way you could have a solution to this whole thing. Yeah. Because I think that's the future way you should look at it because you can't control that shit, man. No matter how many restrictions go, the prices go up and the thing is already there. You know, the only way to cut it is, you know, like decriminalization and looking at it in a different way. This, this, this current way, is, it's, it's, it's just a fucking failure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think about this? Uh, what's happening like in the States about this police brutality and stuff, racism and stuff. Now it's a reaction, I guess, for, well, let's say years and years of uh, unfairness and uh, oppression. And now thanks to social media and stuff, things can easily get blow, blown out of proportion. Yeah. And in a way, there's a war between the left and the right. You know, you have the radical leftists you know going on one trip in the campuses then then you have the right wing that's another extreme yeah but the proper ways i mean you need the left and the right in order for any country to go forward like right, right. the situation now if i was like 15 years younger i would be like ah fuck, you know i would be on that trip but now i don't know the way i see it it should be a middle ground on everything because america has a harsh history right mm. and the most recent closest uh, thing to slavery and racism was in the continent of America. But if you go three, four hundred years back, you come to Sri Lanka, there were slaves here. There were slaves everywhere. Yeah. But now we are in a close, this is a transition of human, like, you know, our species or whatever, like we are transitioning, you know, we are towards a digital age. Knowledge is more. And at the same time, you know, this old system is trying to hold the things, you know, like the whole industrial age system, they're still holding on to it. You know, it's all kind of, there's a change here. So yeah. I think all this chaos is happening for this, this change, this big change that's happening. And things like, you know, say example, Black Lives Matter and like, you know, all these, all incidents that are happening, there are people on top controlling the damn thing. There are people who control the media, hmm. you know, and there, there's another agenda right on top, you know, then, then, then you have the banks, you have like the, the banking, the families that control the thing. Right. They are playing right. this game of chess here, man. It's just the people who are like, you know, reacting to everything that goes on. And now it's the game of chess is a bit different, like to what it was. Yeah. But change will, uh, and it's uh, like, when you look at history, now what's happening is tearing down statues. It's all like erasing history that has happened. Right. You go towards Iraq, tearing down Sumerian history, you know, religions have 
like there have been ancient religions and then suddenly other religions have come, torn down their history, established that, then like this is not, 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 nothing to do with religion. But you know, history keeps erasing itself, don't you think? And now we, yeah. we have a recorded history of this. Imagine how much more history we don't really know because someone destroyed it a long time ago. <laughs> Definitely, yes. So, yeah, and uh, let's just hope that like, the world comes towards a better understanding. I think it, it's time that could only tell, man. And you have to change the education system as well. Yeah, but I think I think um, yeah. I think media actually. What I think the one of the biggest problem is media because they censors, they make it a sensation, right? All the whatever yeah. incidents. So, what I actually done recently is I I actually unfollowed all the media and anyway mm. like left and right and everything. So I don't really get yeah. just get music and you know maybe a couple of memes exactly. and stuff. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> What I do is I suddenly I, I'll uh, check out like what the extreme right winger is saying. I'll watch his stuff. I'll read a bit about uh, on, on his the literature he would write. Then I check the extreme left and see on both sides what their whole story is. You know, it's interesting yeah. to see like the whole dynamic of that. Yeah, I and think when it comes to media, Donald Trump, man, he, he really knows how to pro provoke the bloody media. He say <laughs> yeah. outrageous shit. You see, that's how intelligent that man is in that in that sense. He's just playing. He's playing right. with the media. He knows exactly how they're going to react and he just says shit because he knows the dominoes that's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he's a mess, you know. He's just, you know? <laughs> this is how crazy the world is, man. And if you think about it, people are, have lost their faith in politicians. If it, like, if you see parts of the world like here, like it's not politicians that are getting elected, right? Mm. Certain places like, you know, bureaucrats, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, th th like, you know, the whole thing of Politics has got so corrupt <clears throat> that even people have lost trust in it. I mean, like sometimes you watch, uh, I mean, like Sri Lanka, there's so much of the bullshit they say on TV. I'm like, what the fuck, man? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so sad that sometimes our like friends and we, mm -hmm. like, people we know that they just yeah. get into this political mode and they just like... Yeah. It's no, it's interesting to have a debate, right? Yes, okay, it's fine. Right. You, but you know, don't take it from there. Even some, even religion. Like I, I really refrain on like oh, people go argue. But like, okay, fine, you'll have your thing. But there are certain interesting people I've had debates with, and like, they don't get angry. You know, we have our own ideas. We exchange. Okay, this is how things are. This is the understanding that the world needs to have, man. Yes. You know, anything to a bloody extreme is it doesn't work, whether it be religion or politics. The extremes you know, bring into that, you know, the yin yang man, the middle fucking path, you know. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, Mirshad, what do you do outside of uh, music? Any hobbies <clears throat> and stuff? And what do you do at well, work? What as work? Work-wise, I'm a, a professional graphic designer. Like mm. I design books, branding, like you know, uh, brand campaigns. Uh, what do you call that? You have like stalls and pretty much creative in the creative scene. Then uh, I was doing a sound, uh, sound rental business as well. I got myself a sound system. I was doing like uh, that corporate events right. and organizing rave parties in the jungle, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> doing so. But um, <clears throat> last year I dropped a lot of my business, man. I just had to make this decision to focus on like doing the finishing of the Paranoid Thing album. And because the whole thing was done by me the production and stuff. So I had to actually study. Mm. That's why it took a long time because I'm studying and I'm like trial and error, man. I, I record one round and see, okay, shit. There was shit here that has to be done. I'm reading about it. I'm studying about it, doing courses about it. So 
was all this like whole studying, doing, studying, doing. Because a lot of the amps are all straight off the amp. Like there's less digital manipulation in our album. So it's very, I don't know, I tried to keep the real factor in it. So, nice. but it's interesting, you know, last year was a good year of education for me. <laughs> so now with all this, I might start uh, producing bands as well. Mm. Recently, I was uh, studying mainly production. So now I'm into a bit of synthesizers. So there's some new music coming there and like, yeah, that's the story. But designing is like how I keep and sound rental, like sound stuff. It's how I keep the paycheck here to run the rent and all that shit. Right. So, so uh, what can we expect from Paranoid Earthling for 2020 and early 2021? Album. I know you laugh, laugh. Everybody <laughs>, laughs. You know, I've been saying that, saying that, saying that, but now I'm, I'm telling you with. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the date or the time, you know, that, that, that is, uh, I can't tell you any date or anything, but that's been the complete product now. That's yeah. done. So that and like um, gigs, more gigs. So there'll be a vinyl coming out. So there'll be a, a vinyl discrete. It's a, it's a seven track piece. So. Mm. Are you going to release your songs in digital platforms as well? Yeah, working on that as well. So it will be there on um, Apple, Spotify, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole work. So actually that's what I'm currently reading now, the whole launch of this and mm. the preparation, the promotion. And, you know, we need to fund that as well to get the whole thing properly released because this has been like a year, like how many fucking years, man? This is like started working on this in 2010. <laughs> like the two, it's like basically like the tool, yeah. al tool album, right? <laughs> huh? Yeah, the tool, album? Tool, tool did it before us. <laughs> <They're fast. laughs> no, did man, it? sometimes it takes time, you know. Things yeah. take art, takes time, you know. Like sometimes you could rush and like put things fast. Some it takes time, you know. It depends on the artist and you know, it depends on how things happen. Yeah, but yeah. now the whole technique is you have to keep putting content and you know, that's the method now yes but you know some i mean art is varied man art can come in different times different time periods different forms you know yeah but so yeah. So, <laughs> so mirshad you anybody you want to shout out to mirshad shout out to okay now who am i thinking everybody <laughs> uh shout out you uh, okay okay for, uh, who do i shout out to? shout out to everyone in the music scene you know Every artist right now who are, you know, just to hold on till this whole thing clears, focus on a lot of new things. There's so much time on our hands to really, you know, develop new skills and, you know, plan and have a plan, whatever you're doing, you know, you have a, because I made a lot of mistakes on the way as well, you know, with no plan, you do this, do that, you know, ah, make a big error. Like, you know, have a solid plan. Like even if you're doing music or art or, you know, your career or whatever, have like this five-year solid plans and think in the years, not just the time. Save mm. every time you like, you know, you make some save towards your goal and uh, work hard on it, you know. Because now we live in a good time, man. You can do anything. You can do possibly anything and make it big in this world. We live in that amazing golden age. Oh, grotesque. Ah, that's an album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This golden age. Is this the golden age of what? What's this golden age? Oh, you know, we are in the, like the digital age, you know? Yeah. Golden age of war. Huh? <laughs> or rise to like a global, uh, what do you call it? These are all proxy wars, you know, digital proxy wars around the world. Whoa. 
<laughs> I'm getting excited thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, Mircha, it was and so nice to talk to you after, thanks, man. Yeah. after so many years. Uh, so yeah. I I mean I'm looking forward to you know your album. <laughs> yep, I know. <laughs> yeah, and then uh yeah, so keep safe and uh, let's uh, put, you out, put out the music uh, so we can listen to them from here <laughs> yes 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 a lot of music coming and hopefully if i ever visit there if you want to come come to philippines see what it's like yeah we'll so, uh, tell everyone how they can follow you and the band uh our website is down at the moment but it will be up but you can follow us on the on our instagram page and facebook uh there's a youtube channel as well so basically at the moment is those three the website is still under construction we are uh, like we're working all for the album launch so the artwork and all of that will be up but currently it's instagram facebook and other personal profile like my one is also running mm. so it's basically yeah facebook and uh, instagram and youtube at the moment okay yeah so thanks <laughs> thanks nirshad thank you okay man thank thanks, you man. take care <laughs> Take care. <laughs>